Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily, a game day edition. Finally, the Flyers will be back in action coming up tonight. Late night Flyers after dark hockey as they take on the team with the third highest points percentage in the NHL. That's the Vancouver Canucks. Let me first tell you that Flyers Daily is presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. Uh, We're going to start to do some end of year things here in the next couple of days here on the podcast as we wind down 2023. But let's preview the Flyers and Vancouver, which takes place tonight. And the Flyers and Canucks will kind of kick off the unofficial second half of their season. Vancouver sitting in the top spot right now. Pretty shocking to a lot of people. 35 games played uh, in the Pacific Division of the Western Conference. 23-9-3. 49 points. They are plus, this is insane, plus 46 in goal differential. Plus 46. That's an absurd number. It's the highest in the league. They do two things really well. They score a lot of goals and they keep the puck out of their net. And some people still don't believe that they're a legit team. Rick Tockett's done a tremendous job there. When we talk about the Jack Adams and the front runners, uh, the two guys that are front runners right now are going to go head to head tonight, and that's the Flyers and uh, Flyers John Tortorella and the Canucks Rick Tockett. Flyers in the third spot in the Metropolitan Division of the Eastern Conference. Thirty-three games played, eighteen, eleven, and four, uh, forty points. One point back of the New York Islanders, who sit in the second spot in the Flyers, for example, are plus nine in goal differential. Seven, one, and two in their last ten. Canucks, by the way, in their last ten, also seven, one, and two. These two teams didn't meet way back earlier this season. Matter of fact, the game uh, was the Flyers' first home game of the season. Flyers opened up with a win in Columbus, a loss against Ottawa. Then they welcomed the Vancouver Canucks to Wells Fargo Center uh, way back on October 17th. That feels like eons ago at this point. In that game, Flyers got a 2-0 win. It was Carter Hart shutout. He was was spectacular in the game. And remember that uh, in that game, the Flyers outshot the Canucks like 23-6 in the second period. It was some absurd number. And Rick Tockett really went to the whip and went to the whip early calling out his guys uh, and the way they played. And a lot of people go, well, that's a little early. You go to that, you can only go there a few times a year. You don't want to kind of shoot some bullets on October 17th. But Tuck did, and uh, he's gotten a response from his team without question. As I mentioned, they're the third highest points percentage in the NHL, only behind the Rangers and the Kings, a .700 points percentage and like I mentioned before too they're a team that can put the puck in the net the highest scoring team in the league at 3.86 goals per game and they're also a team that can keep it out of their net they only allow 2.51 goals per game which is the second least in the league which is again why you have that goal differential of plus 43 Uh, the power play Pretty darn solid. They click at 24.2%. It's not absurd like the Rangers 31%, but it's up there. Ninth in the NHL. And if you're looking for kind of one weakness on the team, it's probably on the PK, where they're ranked 23rd in the NHL at 77.8%. So it's the Flyers and the Canucks tonight. Flyers will have a back-to-back tonight in Vancouver, tomorrow in Seattle. Then New Year's Eve, uh, they'll head to Alberta to take on the Calgary Flames. And then January 2nd, They'll be in Edmonton to take on the Edmonton Oilers. Then they'll return home January 4th 
to take on the Columbus Blue Jackets. But back to wrapping up 2023. Now, 2023 has been a year of transition for the organization in so many ways. So I thought we could come up with the top five most impactful Flyers storylines over the last calendar year. Now, these five are in no particular order. But the five that I came up with, and much like when I did the top five storylines of the remainder of this season for the Flyers, um, I didn't really bear down. I said, let them come to me in the obvious fashion. And uh, those will be the top five because they'll be the most front of mind. Now, I did expound on a few of my thoughts of the obvious and add elements to it. But the first one that came to mind for me, oddly enough, was that Tory Krug said, no, I'm not going to waive my no trade clause. I am not going to accept the trade to Philadelphia. Travis Sanheim will not be coming to St. Louis because I'm not saying yes. And that was a big moment. We know about the season that Sanheim is having. To call it a revitalization would be underselling it. He's been unbelievably better and then a huge transformation from one year to the next. It's it's almost unconscionable that he would be doing the things that he's doing. And it's not like he's got 100 points. It's not that. It's the way he looks in the way he's playing. I got a DM from Andy. He tweeted me and said uh, to, D- to Twitter and said, can't recall a player turning around his game in one offseason like Sanheim has. And I totally agree. I'm trying to think of players year to year. Sometimes it clicks for a player. But Sanheim was a good player. Had, had Obviously, last year was a down year. But the way he's come back this year and played at a level that I didn't see him as imaginable. I just didn't see it. So the first one that came to my mind was Tory Krug says no. Sanheim stays, comes in with a I'll-show-you attitude, Put in the work, put in the work on the in the gym, got put muscle on, came in, fits the system and the decisiveness of a quick transition, high flying offensive team, much better, playing top pair minutes, six most average minutes played for average time on ice in the NHL, and has been nothing short of a revelation for the Flyers. Now to that same degree, and here's where I added on a little bit, um, when Tory Krug said no, also. The subtractions of Ivan Provorov and Kevin Hayes. Like, those are two really big storylines and moments from 2023. uh, Provorov's a seventh overall pick. uh, Missed only, I think, a couple of games due to asymptomatic COVID. uh, Was the team's top minutes player basically since year two in the NHL. And that was a big departure. A guy that was locked in on the top pair pending different partner uh, for his tenure here as a flyer. And then the departure of Kevin Hayes, which was a big free agent acquisition in the summer of 2019. Um, A lot of people didn't like the the signing at first and then grew to like it very quickly because Hayes had a really good year one here, was really good on the PK, scoring shorthanded goals, won a lot of people over. Uh, A lot of people then kind of turned again, didn't like the contract. Kevin Hayes is now gone. So there's a lot of elements to this. Hayes ends up in St. Louis. Um, Provorov ends up in Columbus. And then the trickle-down, obviously, is that 
part of that deal is that Sean Walker ends up as a Philadelphia Flyer with that third team involved, the Los Angeles Kings. So that's a big moment for the Flyers in 2023. The second one that came to my mind, so we'll call it number two, um, was the drop in the draft to the Flyers of Matt Vemichkov. He's got, uh, I think, 24 points in 25 games this season for Sochi. I think 11, uh, 14 of them are goals. He's shown in a propensity to be able to score in all kinds of different ways. He's dynamic. His draft plus one year, he's got the highest points per game average of any player in the KHL uh, in their history, and that includes Alexander Ovechkin. That includes, well, Panarin wasn't drafted, but the same year, and others, uh, you know, you look at a guy like Nikita Kucherov, same thing. His numbers are spectacular. He looks like an absolute can't-miss, not really good NHL player. He looks like a superstar. And, the you know, the drafting of Meechkoff and then to find out that he was at the Flyers training center a couple of days prior playing air hockey, and they did they kind of snuck him in there to have a meeting with him, and he really wanted to play for the Flyers, all of that. That's a huge, huge moment for this organization. And I know there was a report out there and some people sensationalizing that uh, Flyers got devastating news with some rule about the KHL and uh, President Putin. It doesn't affect Matt Vemichkov. Those people are just trying to get clickbait journalism and prey on those who don't know. The rule is more intended for young players not to be tempted to come to the CHL or come over to the AHL when they're much younger. Meechkov contract has two more years. That's the worst case scenario. So uh, don't fall into the trap of, of what these um, clickbait journalists are trying to put out there. First of all, you guys know how I feel about clickbait journalism. It's as disingenuous as it come, comes because it's phony and it preys on people. I don't need to mention any names. So Matt Vemichkov was a big one. Then add Bonk to that as well. Oliver Bonk at 22. Obviously, a lot of people wanted the Flyers that night to draft Perot. Uh, but they end up taking Oliver Bonk, who is playing for Team Canada in the World Juniors. And going to be that right shot guy. I, I think he's you know, at least targeted as a top four right side guy. He could end up being a top pair guy. We'll see how his development goes. He's in London with the Knights and the Hunter brothers. He's in good hands to be developed into an NHL player. So draft night, Meechkoff, Bonk, uh, number two on my list. Number three um, that came to mind for me was the dismissal, obviously, of Chuck Fletcher and then the ascension of Danny Breer and Keith Jones. Danny Breer, that one seemed obvious. He was the heir apparent. And I had somebody recently shoot me an email and say, you know, who was the one that noticed that Danny Briere had uh, what it took to become a manager in the NHL? Was that Chuck Fletcher? And when I read the email, it, it actually wasn't Chuck Fletcher. It was well before Chuck Fletcher. And it was a guy that actually wasn't in hockey operations. It was a guy that was in business operations. And it was Sean Tilger, uh, who was with the organization for a very long time. Upon Danny retiring, Danny became attached at the hip with Sean Tilger, and just immediately began sitting into our broadcast meetings, our radio and television broadcast meetings. Um, I remember walking into one. We had the monthly, and all of a sudden, he's sitting there. Well, what are you doing here? And he just wanted to get to know every element of the business side, the hockey side, uh, when he finally had retired from the NHL. So that was Sean Tilger 
who did that. But so Briere seemed obvious, but who was going to take over because they were splitting the two jobs, general manager and president? Who was going to take over? We saw heard Eddie Olchuk. We heard names like Shiro. We heard uh, some other names uh, bandied about. We didn't hear Keith Jones basically until it was announced. And I think the hiring of Keith Jones was uh, not only a good hire, but a grand slam, an absolute grand slam. You couple that with kind of the man making the decision in these in these regards was the transfer of power from Dave Scott to Dan Hilferty. And, you know, that all three of those elements, well, four, um, the firing of Fletcher, the ascension of Brie Aaron Jones, and the transfer of power from Dave Scott to Dan Hilferty are enormous, cataclysmic storylines and moments from the calendar year 2023. That is as big as it gets. Huge. That may be the biggest of all of them, is that. Try, that quad quadruple element of Fletcher to Briere and Jones to Dave Scott to Dan Hilferty. That is an enormous one. Uh, the next one I thought of was the return of Sean Couturier. <laughs> and not only the return of Sean Couturier, but the Sean Couturier we grew so accustomed to over so many years as a Flyers center. I, did, I ran the numbers a couple of days ago here on the podcast. When we look back at the first 31 games from Sean Couturier's 1920 season where he won the Frank J. Selkie Trophy to this season's first 31 games, how similar those numbers are. They're not just kind of close or anything like that. No, they're eerily similar. In the 1920 season, he had eight goals and 15 assists through 31, 23 points, and was a plus seven, playing 19 minutes and 26 seconds of ice time. In 23-24, after missing 21-plus months of hockey, his first 31 games this year, he's got nine goals, 14 assists, again, 23 points, this time a plus five, playing slightly more minutes at 19 minutes and 51 seconds. It's stunning, the similarity in numbers. Fr- frankly, I still can't believe it. But that's the return of Sean Couturier. And without Claude Giroux here, without Jake Voracek and some of the players that were uh, more kind of part of uh, most of Sean Couturier's career, he's also grabbed a leadership position with this team. Not a good guy that's going to go out there and scream and yell and be Chris Pronger, no. But a guy that's going to go out there, lead by example, a guy that's going to go out there and be able to say to a player, what are you doing? but not in an overly aggressive tone. A guy that when you play with him, you better respect the game or you're going to get a look. And sometimes you're going to get some words. You know, players fall in line around players like that. I have a feeling that Patrice Bergeron was that way. When a player of tremendous hockey IQ gives you the look of disappointment because of decisions you made on the ice, that affects players. And I think Couturier's got that look that Patrice Bergeron had. Very similar demeanor in the way they carry themselves. Um, And then the number five one. And at first, this seemed almost goofy to put on. But it's the fact that the logo at center ice is no longer cut in half. Is that there's two flyer logos at center ice. Now, it's not because that logo was cut in half. It's more symbolic 
than the actual logo that was cut in half by the red line. It's the revitalization of the franchise identity and the operating standard for which they're operating. You know, for so many years, they were considered, you know, you had your, your original six. If you were having an original seven, the Flyers were team seven. Their importance to not only the game, but to the NHL. And there was a period of time for the last four years prior to this one that the Flyers, the brand wasn't where it was supposed to be. The brand wasn't in touch with its customers. The brand maybe didn't respect its customers enough. The organization didn't. And maybe they did things to push them away. Well, that's a thing now of the past. It is now got the respect for its customers, for its clients, for the league, and it's earning its respect back amongst the other now 31 teams in the NHL. They have regained their identity. They're looking to regain their foothold and their rightful place in the NHL as one of the gold standard franchises in the way they operate on the ice, the way they operate off the ice, the way they treat players, the way they treat staff, the way they treat players' families and extended families, all of those things. So, yeah, it might be the center ice logo that's no longer cut in half, but it's actually just the symbolic element of not having that logo ruined with a red line going through it. All right, we're back tomorrow. We'll recap Flyers Vancouver Canucks, and we'll preview Flyers Seattle Kraken. So if you have any thoughts on that top five storylines, be sure to hit me up on Twitter. Uh, You can DM me. You can also email me at jason.mertitus, M-Y-R-T-E-T-U-S, at gmail.com. Everybody, enjoy your hockey tonight. It'll be great to have it back, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand-new Flyers Daily.